I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF Podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Hi everyone, welcome to another GAF podcast. I'm here with Nat Daly from Cruise Financial. So excited about this one. We've finally got a young fella. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Thanks for the invite. Good to have you here, mate. But, so Cruise Financial, like, I even love the name. It reminds me of Tom Cruise again. But um, <laughs> give us a bit of background. Let's start with some background from where you came from, what you're doing. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm from Evans Head in northern New South Wales, which is, uh, for most people, when I went to university, I, I'd say I'm from near Lismore, and uh, naively I thought it was uh, people would know where Lismore is, and I guess since the recent floods, a lot more people know where Lismore is, but now everyone knows where Byron Bay is, so we're uh, about an hour south of Byron Bay, and, and I grew up down there, went to university in Brisbane, uh, both undergrad and postgraduate, and now live uh, just just north of there, um, in between Ballina and Lismore now in the in the hills. Now you're in this unique partnership with Cody and Jaden, and what I, want, what I want to explore today is, you know, you guys are the, you know, I call them the young entrepreneurs, you're the new crew in town, you've got new thinking, you've got this growth mindset. So I want us to walk through um, the partnership, technology, where you see licensing, the FPA, uh, you've been to Vegas on a on a work trip. I want to hear about that. Um, so there's you know, a whole bunch of interesting things that I want to I want to hear your mindset around this, rather than us crusty you know sixty <laughs> year olds looking back on the industry. So let's start with uh, Cody and Jaden. How did that partnership arrive? So Cody and I used to train when I was a financial analyst, um, fresh out of university. Uh, I moved to Melbourne as my first role. I work for British Petroleum and I used to train at Melbourne Mixed Martial Arts and Cody does kickboxing, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and we, uh, we trained together there and then we parted ways. I went to Perth and uh, I remember at the time he, uh, he said he was, a, he was doing his financial planning and I'd, I'd give him a little bit of shit because I, that's what I intended to, to go back to once I'd, I'd done two years of service as an analyst. And, um, then two years later, I was uh, at AMP Horizons, which was at the time was the world's best training program for financial advisors. And uh, looking across the room at Cody, I uh, had this awkward feeling that I'd, I'd beat him up before, and uh, <laughs> there, was, there was some kind of friction between us. And and he, and I'd, I've trained in that many gyms, I didn't actually didn't remember him. And um, he said Melbourne mixed martial arts, and. Uh, from that point, we've been good friends, and uh, we uh, we went our separate ways through AMP and then Hill Ross and Independent, etc. But I guess about uh, what was that? Probably about four years later, um, I picked up the the phone and said, "Look, I'm I'm leaving where I was I was previously working," and, and he said, "Look, I'm considering doing it too." And his apprentice at the time was Jaden Post, and uh, the three of us they flew up to the Gold Coast that uh, afternoon. And we uh, formed a business, I guess, about a week later, the three of us. And I guess six years on, we uh, here we are. Well, I, all I can hope is, can Jaden fight as well? Oh, Otherwise, Jayden, he's in a lot of pain Jayden's, with you two blokes. Jaden's probably the hardest out of all three of us. He's a, an ex-professional athlete. He's, um, he used to play for Richmond and he's married into into AFL royalty as well. Um, so, uh, no, no, Jaden. Oh, so he can, hold, he can hold his own? He can handle himself. Okay, great. So how does this partnership work that you're up here on the coast and uh, Jaden's in Melbourne? 
Yeah, so we have um, a number of business under that. The, the group has obviously expanded. Tell us about the group. So we started off as a purely financial planning and obviously we, we, we grew from there six years on and now we have a portfolio of companies, a, a general insurance business, a family office business, a tech business or a cruise money um, is the, the brand, which is more so fintech and also the financial planning business. Um, so neither... It, we're all active and we all lead our own. Um, so I run the family office business, uh, Cody runs the tech business, and then Jaden runs the financial planning business, and then we have the joint venture for the insurance businesses. Um, but at, that's how we split our time. So first and foremost, we're equal partners, so in all of those businesses, but we all have our different strengths. Okay, so maybe walk us through each one of those businesses, what you're thinking around them. Yep, so the financial planning is the heart of... Um, heart of all of these businesses obviously everyone has everyone is where they are where they need to go etc it's the financial planning usually sets them up for some level of success usually there's within any financial planning business there's business owners so business owners need a little bit more uh, than just pure stock standard uh, financial planning so it's not you you know it's complex i guess or atypical uh, business owners then have needs around family offices if they're intergenerational businesses you know some businesses might be 50, 60, 80, 100 years old, where there's multiple generations, et cetera. So they're, they're prime candidates for a family office business. Uh, but it's all centered around the client and around cruise money, which is our tech business, that's direct to consumers. So it's it, we're attempting to cut out, I guess we'll, we'll soon see how that plays out, um, a lot of the profession, the need for professionals in terms of cash flow and how people manage their day-to-day spend. So we're... we're launching that uh, 1st of January uh, next year, and um, we, will, we will be Australia's first open banking app. So we're very excited about that. Okay, now you hold on, you're going too <laughs> quick for me. Let's go back. So family offices, the family office services, so you've got existing clients coming to your financial planning, yep. and there's a range of you know, um, FSR financial planning services that sit underneath that. Yep. And then some of those bigger business clients, they require some services, that sit outside in your family office business. Correct. Is that how you've got that structured? Yeah. So there's two different scopes there or two different service offerings. Yeah, and I guess in, in from, you know, obviously we spent five years at Fitzpatrick's Private Wealth and that would be just the difference between, I guess, a financial planning engagement and a private wealth engagement. That's the, the gist of the distinction. But the distinction typically is a business that's doing eight figures a year and obviously seven figures, typically most businesses, do more than 10% of EBITDA, um, you know, seven figures of free cash flows per annum to invest um, on behalf of their, their families so that we, we draw a line in the sand because all of our family offices need financial planning. So we just make that clean distinction yep. with the family offices that I help manage. I'm not the financial planner, so yep. we outsource that to their existing advisors or internally, but um, that's how we draw that line Great. in the sand. I've got, I've got the visual of that, the family office, the wealth management or financial planning. And now tell me about Cruise money technology side what have you done what have you done so cruise, uh, now so, go slowly for me all right all right so I'll, I'll i'll step it back so cody and i um i guess it was cody's brainchild probably about eight years ago when when we uh we were both working for amp and we just couldn't believe the fact that people needed a financial plan or a statement of advice to roll super funds over and um I guess it, 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 it grew from there but it really for, for the most part everyone needs a financial plan not everyone needs a financial planner and, and everyone in this profession knows that the cost of advice is just going one way. The supply of advisors is falling off the side of a cliff. 
demand is is through the roof and the the only answer to that in my professional opinion is technology so we've built that technology to help serve advisors but to help serve consumers at the end of the day because money is really not that hard the the current s- structure of the current system that you know young let's think about you know you've got no money no problems money no problems money problems etc and, and you have different variants of of that, I guess, um, or episodes of that throughout your life when you, you get into your first home, you're getting married, you have children, you go down to one income, you then put you, your children into school, etc. Then they, 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 they move out and then you're paying for education, etc. retirement. So you've got all of these nuances, but from, from cradle to grave, it really starts at mortgage broking, life insurance and ends at aged care. Not There's not one piece of technology, I guess, because technology is, is really, it's a, it's a current problem our current solution, depending on how you look at it, that, that there's no one median or no one standardization that serves, there's no one, um, I guess, source of truth yep. throughout a client's journey. But so we build it around the fact that money is not that hard, but the thing is we, we believe in the future that the 90% of, of, of consumers or Australians or, uh, you know, um, people across the world will be advised by a better version of their future selves. So when we talk about avatars and face technology and all of those those things, that because really there's there's only so many if and then functions that, that someone can say, look, I've got this goal. I either can do that or I can't do that. And you know whether people pe- people don't need an advisor to implement cash flow, and you don't need to set up go to a certain technology point. can tell you that I can do the all of that. And so, what's Cruise Money going to do? It's just going to be. A, is it a planning system or an investment? No, system? so it's it's it will be marketed as Australia's first open banking application. So it's we don't require custody. We we have the systems in check to basically log into people's bank accounts through open banking software through know your customer etc. So it's all government level security etc. But then we have the ability to, to automate. So it's in in the sense of toggles etc. Because when you when the human or when the consumer gets involved in the whole cash flow management piece, and the barefoot investor was great at this. He really, um, you know, his service is probably second to Paul Clitheroe's in terms of what he has done for the the general Australian consumer in terms of managing their money. But the barefoot investor only got to a certain point, and everyone gets to that point where they go, you know, excuse the French, but fuck it, it's too hard, and they sort of that splurge card then gets thrown away. They chop it up, etc. They might have got some some friction. They might have got some uh, momentum in the sense that they cut up their credit card and they did all these 101s that most people do. But if you're getting into your cash flow, your paycheck every fortnight or whatever it is, you're going to inevitably mess it up. And so we believe that automation is the key to success with cash flow, which most, I guess, the majority of people who specialise in this space would tend to agree. Um, but essentially what it does is it basically automates people's cash flows so they have one problem, which is their spending account. Whatever that is, 300, 400, whatever it is, fund coupons, no questions asked. That should be the, and everything else should be on autopilot and only have check in quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. Um, so that's in essence what Cruise Money is. It, is. is it designed for old blokes like me or for my kids? It, it, probably more so for your kids. Yeah. Um, but so they'll have an app on their phone? Correct. Yeah. I'll open up the app. All their bank details. Yeah. All the cash flows. Yeah. Yeah. What else will it do? And basically, whatever their goal is. So the majority of young Australians is to buy their first home. Yeah. Buying a, f- a home is not rocket science. You need a you need a, to show the bank that you're a credible lender. Obviously, if you've got a partner, there's two sources of income, so you can support that debt, etc. Savings capacity, propensity to pay down that debt, serviceability, etc. 
That will be first and foremost. But the thing is, people people only come to come to us with one of the three problems, and I'd, I'd be happy if you, you would challenge this, and I, I, I suspect you may agree, but it's either get me out of debt, whatever that debt is, whether it's investment debt, mortgages, credit cards, it's different variants or subsets of that, fix my cash flow, so they might have businesses, trusts, entities, et cetera, or save for something special. And that might sound like a yacht or a, you know, AMP-like in our, in our sense, a yacht, a business, a retirement, et cetera, but it's only one of those three problems. So we'll meet the consumer where they are, but it's typically, it's based on one of those three goals. So obviously from there, you can, you know, cancel the credit card, save for something special. And then the future iterations within the first 12 months of 2023, we'll be opening up, you know, investment programs, debt consolidation, et cetera. Well. Well, <laughs> so was that, I hope that wasn't too much. For no, no, that's course. great. Technology. Now, listen, while we're on technology, you've just come back from Vegas. Yep. Yeah. Now, you weren't there on a holiday, just in case your wife's listening. You were there for work. <laughs> but tell us about this conference. I was over there for Money 2020. So we, um, one of our partners, Zepto, um, is Australia's, one of Australia's best, or if not Australia's best, uh, payments provider, so um, you know, account to account, which is, uh, I guess, we won't get into the. That's out to the purview of this conversation today. But they invited us on the Monday. We booked our flights Monday at noon or one o'clock in the afternoon. We booked our flights and our accommodation by close of business that day. It was in and out. It was a quick trip, but it's money. Twenty twenty is always something that I've been interested in going to. Never really had the invite, um, and it's six thousand dollars a ticket. So we um, obviously the in invite helps. Um, yep. So we flew in on the Saturday, and from Sunday through Wednesday was the conference, and then we flew out the Thursday. But really, it was good to go over there, and you know, a term the term embedded finance is not really um, too common or too. Talk to us about that. So embedded finance is um, you know the the system of tomorrow. So whether it's payments, whether it's the problems that people have in terms of spending, in terms of investing, in terms of the tech stack basically that people sort of, you know, tech spaghetti I'd like to call it, people that really pride themselves on how convoluted their lives are. And most advisors talk about, talk about like, if we're, it's like with the weather, if we're having the conversation about the weather, Scott, where we've spent too much time together. But if you're having a conversation about a tech stack, that just blows my mind. Um, so anyway, the, 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 the gist of the conference was to say, what are the, the payment providers? What does the world look like tomorrow? So it's more so forward looking. And it blew my mind in a lot of cases. I've, I've never actually did, looked into the US banking system deeply, but we spent five days completely immersed in it. And it surprised us to, see, to say that Australia is actually ahead of the curve and, and ahead of the US in terms of our existing. Because open banking is this thing that, and if I asked you today, Scott, what would be your interpretation of open banking right now? What would you say? No, I wouldn't have an answer. Yeah, no, no I one knows. I always reference this. This is the bank. It's the bank open down the road when I walk. I know, out. I know, but it's yeah. basically the um, it's the banks giving up the biggest asset that's not on their balance sheet, which is data. So, I always reference this CanStar article, and they have this this and you know, this example of a, a credit cards. So when you go to apply for a credit card, when you're a young accumulator, you have to go and show all of these bank documents, etc. Open banking basically says that if you have your consumer data right and you have give that bank permission to access that data, the bank has an obligation to let that go. Yep. So uh, open banking is one of the things that Australia is actually ahead of the US and it's not ahead of the UK, but that's where I, I guess that's a, a problem that we're looking to help solve for the general Australian because it really will bring down the barriers to entry and the reasons why. Inertia is the biggest enemy of anyone with personal cash flow issues and they just say effort it's too hard um, and they just kind of do what they've always done. But, um, 
So apart from the fact you had no sleep while you were in Vegas for <laughs> three or four days, what did you walk away with? What was it? Come with a couple of the highlights. We walked. We walked away with the. Uh, the world is moving in financial planning, and a lot of the audience will be part of financial planning in, in some way. Um, compliance has always been a, an issue, and we look at it either as a, a friend or a foe. But the world, gambling especially, so we're in Vegas, I guess, the gambling ca- capital of the world. But in terms of know your client, you know, ability to gamble, all of those things, that that was probably the biggest thing. So, and it's coming to Australia as well in terms of you know having showing the affordability of gambling and, and also ESG. So um, these companies genuinely, whether it's the chicken or the egg, it's, it's I'm going to stay out of that conversation, but they genuinely have an, an ESG responsibility in terms of environmental social um, to make sure that they're not gambling above their means or not putting their, you know, especially when mental health comes in, et cetera. But the biggest takeout was that the world will be open before we know it. Right. Great. Which is your position yourself lovely for that with, from your technology space? Yeah, technology is probably evidently from the, the crash course that I just gave you. It's a thing that we're deeply passionate about, but it's yep. the only answer to solving the majority of these problems. Great. Now, let's, I'm, I'm, I'm frightened about the next topic, which is licensing. Yep. Um, and where you've landed. I'm excited and frightened. Where have you landed yourself personally? So in terms of licensing, to give you a little bit of pedigree, um, for the last 10 years I've been an advisor, I'm no longer an advisor, but I came from AMP to Hill Ross, which is AMP's, um, I guess, high net worth or portfolio management uh, division to Fitzpatrick's, and hence where we met about six years ago. And then we made the decision last year to basically go self-license for a number of reasons, but more so because of the technology lean that we have and the, the ability for us to use systems and procedures and um, to basically cut out a lot of the, the you know, licensing is, is in the future it will change and obviously the government's doing a really good job of, of messing that up and, you know, it could be a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not going to comment on that, but in terms of licensing, it's almost just a, a ticket, ticket to the game. It's, it should be more standardised than it is. We, advisors still have much more discretion than they should. There's a number of, we practice evidence-based financial planning. It's a very straightforward, specific, you know, um, to say we're scientific would be a very hard understatement. So we're very procedural, we're very to the point, and it's based on strategy, not product. And um, it's all about cost and, you know, service and longevity, et cetera, the lifetime of the consumer. But in terms of licensing, the, the, the process of us going through the, the from Fitzpatrick's to being self-licensed, and if people actually understand what a complaint is in terms of an AFSL or an advisor not returning a call, and if a client shows any sign of dissatisfaction, whether it's tonal, written, verbal, etc., you have to register that complaint. You have to, you know, basically absolve that complaint. If that's if the client's not happy with it, obviously they have to go to AFCA. The it just opened up our eyes to to most people think of governance as this or administration as this dirty word that sort of but the. The general the definition of administration is the running of a business, but governance in terms of financial advice is is as important as it's ever been. But most people sort of look at it as an afterthought or sort of. But um, now, now you've decided to hand your li- your license personal in. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that decision around? That decision took me a long time. So it, it, a lot of the work that I, for whatever reason, ever since I started, like even when I was going through AMP Horizons, the guys four or five intakes ahead of me, they 
couldn't really understand why I was attracting so much far more funds under management. They were just like, where the hell did you get these clients from? And um, for whatever reason, I've just attracted very wealthy people. And the, as you know, Scott, you obviously play in this space as well, or you, you essentially taught me how to plan the space to a large extent. So I, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you for that. Um, About time too. <laughs> and, and for the audience, every time I uh, would use Scott's process the last few years, I practiced next door to him in Coolangatta for, for a number of years. I'd literally want to go down to the Cooley Liquor, buy a, a case of stone and wood, Pacific Gale, and drop it on his desk. But uh, so you know, obviously, the, when the student's ready, the teacher appears, and hence why we're here today. But um, for whatever reason, the clients that I was dealing with were, were dealing with, are dealing with, will continue to deal with. It's not to do with the traditional financial planning. So it's not to do with products, life insurance policies. They're far beyond the point of self-insurance. Obviously, the, the children, etc. Um, are candidates for life insurance and we have to address that but there was no real need for me to be tied up and to be and to 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 call a spade a spade we had a conversation about six months ago Scott and you said what's your word for 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 the year for the new financial year and um, I thought about it deep long and hard and it was free and I've been continuing to because if you understand the difference between general advice personal advice and factual information and truly understand the, the the variance of those three things and then you know as we grow and use technology to serve and to and if you're still a licensed professional have to if you think about free and informed consent and our obligations as a financial advisor or an authorized representative of whoever the dealer group is we technically we have to show offer the client an fsg have them sign it and acknowledge it and then receive that back before we can provide that general information or general advice so people who don't understand that are in for a world of hurt and now, we haven't seen the lawsuits yet, but we will. And, you know, I'm not sure if the barefoot investor was privy to this. I'm really not sure. But um, so once I understood it deeply, and what I genuinely care about is, is putting the plan back in the client's pocket because the cost of advice is just something that I can't stomach right now. It's a, uh, obviously for the higher end clients that I sit down with, it makes a lot of sense and the economies of scale make a lot of sense. But technology is the only answer to that. And if I really wanted to make a difference or a dent, because the thing is, I remember it was 2 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon in 2012. I sat down and someone put a fact find in front of me and said, and I was a financial analyst for two years before this. I knew I wanted to be a financial advisor since I was 15. And I laughed at the teacher and I said, I'm not filling that shit out, miss. And she said, you will and you will continue to do so for the rest of your life. And I just laughed at her and I thought, I remember it was 42 pages. And I thought, what, what world is this? 10 years later, I remember thinking about this and I don't know who provoked the question, but we were still filling out, obviously there's iFact Find and there's Advice Revolution and there's all of these other you know, e-fact finds, but uh, at the end of the day, we're still going through it. And I just went, if I really want to change, nothing's changed in the last 10 years. If I really want to change it for the next 10, 20, 30 years and, and change it for the, the advisors that we, like we've got three graduates coming, coming through our ranks at the moment. If we want to change it for them, I genuinely have to step out to step back in. So I, um, that was the, the gist of it, but it did take a lot of counsel from you especially and from other senior people that I, I work with. But uh, yeah, it was a, so I made the decision on the 7th of October, so last month, to um, resign. And, and, you know, you've had a great relationship with the FPA over that time and I saw a lovely email you sent through to them. How yeah, do you feel about that? The FPA is the, uh, especially where I'm from in northern New South Wales, it's really the, the meeting place of, of proper professionalism. So... You know, you can go there and speak openly. It's not, you know, when people look at you as a competitor from a place of scarcity, you know you're in the wrong room. But 
for whatever reason, the FBA has always been a place of abundance for us, and we've like whether it's in Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, but the financial planning of association, the financial planning association of Australia does have their challenges, obviously with you know the AFA or whatever whatever they choose to do, but. Yeah, I, I still keep, I still believe in advice, and they are the biggest advocates of financial advice from my, especially where I'm from. You know, obviously there's there's nuances, but uh, I, I wrote an email as you would have seen yesterday, Scott, and said, look, is it just another? Am I just another statistic? Or and the FBA is genuinely looking for feedback because they like I wrote a thesis in uh, 2019 as the tail end of my master's degree on technology and the future of financial planning in Australia, and the, the outcome of that, the whole the conclusion was that. The current trajectory, and I was part of that trajectory because I was thinking about this three years ago, whether or not I was best suited to, to do it or was to, do, to work in the tech world or the family office world. And uh, because when supply is falling off the side of a cliff, demand's going through the roof, the only solution is technology and it's not mm, there. I agree sure. with you. Yep. Well, that's a lot. Um, and, you know, such a big decision for you to let go of your licence at, you know, how old are you? I'm um, 33. 33. But, you know... I love the courage and I love the, you know, the vision that you've got for this and your you commitment to it, mate. You should give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back Thanks, uh, along the way. A, no, I'm serious about that. It was a big decision. It didn't come lightly. But, um, yeah, it was a, you know, I may, I may be back. Who knows? But, um, no, no, but right here, right now, that's, this is the direction you're heading in. So, listen, we're going to wind this up in a sec, but what I want to know, if, if you're a, you know, put yourself back in the AMP horizon seat, you're a advisor entering into this profession or in industry toward a profession, what would be some advice you'd give that younger version of yourself? Seek a good mentor. So, you know, even when you th- most advisors genuinely think that they're doing the right thing and they, they, most of them are doing the right thing, but they're not doing the optimal thing. And they're not doing, in terms of best practice, you know, evidence-based financial planning, they're putting clients in products or whatever that that's suited to their business. But seek a good mentor, work for a good quality business, someone who, who practices the discipline, who, you know, obviously the, the, everyone says we're moving from a, an industry and a profession and 2026 may be that, that line in the sand where we can evidence that we, we are in fact a profession. But there's professionals out there and um, work for well-established businesses that do the right. So if you're worried about sales targets early on in practice, leave. Or if you have any whiff of sales pressure on you as a young practitioner, especially in your professional year, leave. Great um, advice. Uh, but also, if you've got uh, autonomy that you didn't think of, so in terms of um, discretion around what managed funds to use, what sectors, if it's asset allocation, because 90% of the outcome with investing is derived from the asset allocation, 10% market time or security selection, that's well tested, that's irrefutable, no one can argue that. But if you've got the discretion to recommend life insurance strategies, at different rules of thumb, whether trauma should be two years worth of income versus the widely accepted cancer after, you know, heart attack, etc. There should be all of these things that you shouldn't be worried about. That you shouldn't be worried about bookkeeping. You shouldn't be worried about, you know, generate selling to your natural market either. Your natural market will genuinely come to you because they trust you as a person. But the only advice I can give young professionals coming through is seek a good mentor and most mentors won't be able to employ you but they usually know the people who are looking for graduates. Great advice. There was, a, there was some gold in there, mate. Thanks for that. And when, just looking back on your career, what, what's one or two of the best habits you think you've implemented to keep you in good stead? Um, it, it, it changes seasonally but uh, the 
most people dramatically overestimate what they can do in a year, but they can they incredibly underestimate what they can do in 10 years. But the most important thing for me is to understand where you're at in life and, and put yourself on the scales, you know, go to the gym, do whatever it is that you have to do, but look in the mirror and actually read the results because, you know, obviously what you can measure, you can manage, but sleep is probably the most important thing that most people come to that conclusion after their testosterone has, has come to a point in their 30s where they go, oh shit, I can't operate on four hours sleep like I used to and I'm subject, I wear an aura ring right now to measure my sleep and performance and anyone who has young children, I've got a young who's <laughs> no sleep. Old, and uh, two, my daughter's two years old, but uh, yeah, so sleep's the most important thing. So in terms of habits, sleep would be 100 by a country mile at this point in my life, but also doing those things that, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup, my um, health coach says to me. So, you know, those things around balance and, and looking at life in seasons as well. So a lot of people think that you can work 60 hours a week for 52 weeks a year. You can, but you're going to be fat, you're going to be miserable, you're going to be divorced and you're going to be broke. So those are the, the truths that will come from that. So, you know, whether it's a 40 week year, whether it's a 50 week year, it depends on where you're at, but um, seeking the right advice. And that last thing, we just mentioned it earlier, but what's your rock? What's the word on your rock? Free. So that was, it, it took me, I think it took me about four hours of flight from Sydney. No, no, it was less than that. It was about an hour to work it out. So, and I, I remember I had a commitment that I'd committed to. It was the Thursday I saw you in, in the Sydney airport. I was probably overanalyzing the purchase of a backpack, which I overanalyzed most things in my life, and you, you <laughs> laughed, and we sat down and had a glass of wine. But um, and you asked me that question. It was uh, so I make everything. I make all of my decisions now through that lens. Um, it's been, uh, it's been. It, you know, we we will never get a perfect score on that front, but it's a. Um, so the word is free for me. I love it, mate. Thank you very much. You're an exceptional young man, young man, and I want to thank you for being on here today. And thank we're gonna you. we're gonna get you back on. We might even get your rat bag partners back on here again <laughs> as well to hear about the, and I really, you know, to hear about Cruise Financial, I'm really excited for you. Thanks, and I love Scott. the way you think about the business and I really wish you well. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening to the GAP podcast. We've now developed the essentials package for advisors. It's the Collaterals video and training for you to work in this high net wealth space. Also, we're running a course for those who want to work with significant families and significant individuals. For more information, go to thegaff.com.au.